to pray. It's as if God's people would come in and pray, will humble themselves and pray uh, and seek his face, turn from their wicked ways. God says that he will hear from heaven, forgive uh, our sins, and he will heal our land. How many would agree with me that we need healing in America? We need healing in America. We need God to bring healing in communities, healing in the nation. And, 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 and I tell you um, um, <clears throat> that uh, there is no other way to bring healing apart from Christ. Our creativity, our intellect, our education, all that stuff, we could tolerate each other, but unless it's true healing... That comes, through healing only comes through Christ. Only comes through Christ. Because the issues are not what we see on the eyes outside. The issues really are issues of the heart. And I believe without a doubt, you know, I believe without a doubt that the church is that ingredient that will bring healing to the nation. And because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about that we are given the, spirit, the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. That is the ministry, uh, that, that's the gospel, the ministry of reconciliation. But what I want to talk about today is really, we can't reconcile people to people unless people are reconciled first to God. And that is what we've been giving, and it's a powerful thing. I want to read a story of a conversation that is very intriguing to me, uh, and this conversation of Abraham that had with God. Could you go with you, Genesis chapter 18? I'm, I'm going to pick it up at uh, verse 23, and prior to this, if you're not familiar with the story, I'm going to give you just a background there. God had just let in Abraham into the plan of God, what he was going to do. And what God was actually planning to do was to destroy the, city as, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. It had become so sinful, things were going to go, you know, and God was just utterly uh, upset. He had given them enough time. Enough time to change, and at this point, it's like, I'm going to start over with these cities. They've just gone too far. And God led in Abraham on his plan. And so what we are reading here is a, it's a conversation, but it's actually a prayer. Because every time we are talking to God, no matter what context, whether it's, a, it is, it's prayer. And, and it, it kind of plays out as a conversation, but I think we could get an insight into God's heart which in turn we can, we can believe and we can learn and, and believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he wanted to do for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he would do for America. He would do for Lincoln. He would do for our city, okay? So Abraham approached him, meaning God, and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living in that city. Will you sweep it away and not spare it to the, for, this, for, for their sake? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous among the wicked. Why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same? Surely you wouldn't do that. Should you not judge, of, should you, the judge of all the earth, do what is right? And the Lord replied, if I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the city for, for their sake. So Abraham spoke again. Since I've begun to speak 
Father, by the Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes, suppose there would be only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed on to the request. Now, notice that Abraham starts out a conversation and he takes it deeper. He doesn't stay at the same level and he recognizes that he's going deeper. And as he gets deeper, he actually becomes more audacious, more bold, more daring, if you would. But at the same time, he never loses reverence. He never loses the fear of God. So there's a, 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 there's a, there's a humility, but yet there is boldness. You see the progression. Let's keep going. So says the Lord, no, no, no. If I find 45 righteous people, I will not destroy the city. And now I lost where I was. <laughs> 49, 29, because I don't have the verses listed here. So Abraham spoke again since I've begun. Okay, we got there. Will you destroy the whole city for 45? Okay. Suppose there are only 40. Oh, he's pressing on. He's pressing on. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy for the sake of 40. Please. Then Abraham goes back again. God, please do not be angry at me, my Lord. Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy if, if I find 30. Then Abraham says, since I have dared. <laughs> now his level of uh, boldness has increased. Since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose that there are only 20. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy for the sake of 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, Please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose only ten are found there. And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. Then the Lord had finished, the Lord had finished what his conversation with Abraham. Abraham, he went on to his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. He gives us, and, and, and this is a, is a prayer. It's an intercession prayer. See, Abraham had his relationship with God intact. This is a man that was talking to God. In fact, the Bible says that he was called a friend of God. That he believed God and he was credited for him for righteousness and he was called a friend of God. So his life was safe. He was completely confident of where things were between him and God. Abraham, in this case, is a picture of the church. Is a picture of the righteous that have been bought by the blood of Jesus. We're not righteous because of our undoing. We're righteous because of our faith. So we are justified through faith in Jesus Christ. We have relationship with God. If the destruction comes, we are just fine. If you know Jesus, you are absolutely fine. But Abraham is contending with God. He says, surely God, you're not going to destroy the city. I know they are wicked there. The stuff that they do is absolutely crazy. But surely, if there are 50 people in that town that actually love you, that are actually righteous, God, would you destroy the whole city? And God keeps... And, 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 and I wonder what would have happened 
if Abraham had gone down to one. And I think he got the point. And the point is God is always loving. He's always generous. He's always gracious. In fact, many times, he's way gracious to us than even we are to one another. If God treated us the way we treat our enemies, if God treated us the way we treat people we disagree with, if God treated us the way we treat even our family members, we will have no world. He is, the Bible says that he is long-suffering. Pastor Darcy mentioned today that his masses are new every morning. You could have been in a road that was really horrible even yesterday. And today you can approach and say, God, I know your mercies are new. And God keeps, they keeps going down. And Abraham be, begins to increase his intensity in prayer and he even tells the Lord, I know I've become so dust. I recognize who I am. I haven't forgotten who I am. I'm not trying to get too familiar with you. I'm just but, but dust here. But because you've given me the opportunity to talk to you, can I ask you one more thing, Lord? And he gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, but yet maintains. And even as he gets deeper, you realize this fear of God is even higher. And, 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 I, and I think sometimes it's a, it's a conflict that we have. And, uh, and then the conflict is because we are sinful, we cannot stand in God's presence. We're not even worthy to be in his presence, but the blood of Jesus covers us. And sometimes, because of the grace that has been given to us, we can take for granted who God is or become overly familiar with God to where we miss out on His power. I tell the story, and I'm deviating a little bit, that they, oh, I'm not going to go there. You know, I, I have a tendency to go on rabbit trails, and I'm not going to do that on you today. And so, 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 so but, but, but Abraham gets deeper in his prayer. I want to connect it to the, the first verse I quoted that we used last week, the picture of the church. Abraham was standing in the gap for a city that was sinful. Abraham was standing in the gap. This is the art of intercession prayer. He was begging God, if you would, for mercy. He was begging God for mercies for people he did not know. Well, he did have an interest a little bit, and if you know the story, his nephew, Lot, lived there. And I wonder, he was trying to figure out, how is Lot's life? Is he, is he on with God? Is he not? And he didn't dare go to one and think, oh boy, there's not even one, you know. But he was, his heart was moved for the people. We have people in our lives, just like Lot, we have people in this city, people that we work with, people that we live in the same neighborhood with, families that we have. That, 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 and, and we need to take that same type of intercession and, and prayer in the gap for people as if it was our own. Because the Lord says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive them their sins, I will heal their land. We need to be the Abraham that contends with God. We need to be the Abraham that, that stands in the gap. We need to be like Abraham that in a seed, even when we know there is evil around us, that we stand in the gap and we contend, say, God, surely would you have mercy on us. Amen? Amen. 
In 1 Corinthians 10, it says that I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other, let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought, and with purpose. Let there be no divisions in the church. The, today, there are divisions in America, and the divisions get broader. And like I said last week, when a tragedy happens, it actually should bring people together. But it shows you how bad things have gotten because we have tragedy and they define the differences even more. That's the spirit that's in the world right now. If you live in Nice, France, it was a horrible week for you. If you live in Turkey, you see what happened there. And uh, the world is getting smaller. And, and, and I think sometimes there's a disconnect in, in, in America. I'm, I'm speaking this because I did not grow up here. And so, and, and, and because for, for so long, the world was very big. You know, it hasn't grown physically, but in terms of reach. And, and the Americas are kind of separated from the rest. You know, like Africa, Asia, Europe, Middle East, all, they're all attached. Europe and all that, they're all, they're all close together. And they're all attached. You know, I was talking to my brother this week who had a business meeting in Nigeria, in Lagos, from Kenya. And then he called me. I'm like, well, he's in Amsterdam, Netherlands. Because he was cheaper and he'll get there the time he wants. He connects through Europe to go back on the other side of the planet. You know, the whole world is, you know, small. I think that's crazy, but that's how airlines work sometimes. But, 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 but we were always separated on this side from the other ones. And so when things happen on that other side of the world, they don't really move us because they don't always affect us. And I know it's not that we don't care. It's just it's disconnected. And because we, had that, we have that Christian heritage also, things begin to get very familiar. I remember one time when I moved here and I was working at a, um, I was working a secular job and I started to have a conversation with a, with a, with a co-worker. Just talk about, talking about the Lord. Just kind of say if they, if they are saved. Or not. And, and they immediately, as we started talking about just a, the conversation about salvation, Immediately it turned into, oh no, I go to this church. Not that I know Jesus, not that I've been saved, I go to this church. Every time you talk about the Lord, and I realized a pattern was going on and on and on. You start talking about the Lord, immediately you talk about the identity of the church that they go to. And so we replace that, uh, that, 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 that active relationship with God to just identifying with the church. And we be, because the language is just so familiar. We miss the power of God. We miss the, all, all that. It's like, no, no, are you true? Are you saved? Are you, no, I go to this church. And I remember it was going nowhere. It was landing nowhere until we, we kind of start pressing on. And I think we kind of have lived as a church in that state for a while that we're not confronting people with a purpose. We have been given a mission. We have been given a purpose, okay? Um, Matthew 28, 19 talks about the Great Commission. 
The Lord gives us a purpose. The whole church has a purpose. The church has a mission. And he says that we ought to, as people are divided out there, as the lines get crazy, maybe political lines, ideological lines and all that, he says, okay, that's going to happen. That's the world. But in the church, he says, let there be no divisions in the church. But rather be of one mind, united through purpose. What purpose? The great purpose. The great purpose, which is uh, uh, Matthew 28 talks about the Great Commission. Go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Yes, I will be with you always till the end of the age when you do this. Uh, I want to tell you, church, I believe this in every, for, with every ounce of my being, that when we take, grab a hold of this purpose of Christ, which is the gospel, making disciples. When the church holds it dearly, when we take it as believers, that is what's going to bring change. Because right there is the gospel. Right there is the gospel. The gospel, the gospel, Paul said this way in Romans, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the God, it is the power of God that brings salvation. To the Jew and to the Greek. And he goes on, he keeps on explaining the barbarians, the intellectuals and the barbarians. It is the power of God. Let me tell you this. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. It is not just mere intellect. And that's a level that Abraham was really concerned that he doesn't lose. Even in his prayer, as he had this awesome privilege of conversing with God Almighty, he kept himself in check the entire time that he does not take too lightly the power of God. Because in the gospel, the power of God is released. My faith and his word combined releases this dynamic power. Because you can have a good understanding. You could have agreement even concerning the Scripture. But without the power of God, it's nothing. It's a power of God that transforms lives. It, changes, it leaves nothing unturned. Nothing. No part of your life cannot be affected by the power of the gospel. You want to increase your understanding, that's great. But you need power. You need power, and the power is the gospel. The gospel is what releases the power. The gospel is what brings transformation into culture, into people's lives. The gospel is what changes your life and gives you a new beginning. The gospel is what take, transforms a sinner into a saint. The gospel is the one that brings about a newness of life where this is what defines you. Your family past has garbage in it, but now the power of the gospel will transform you into a new person. The gospel releases the power of God. And you start bringing the conversation about the gospel, and it quickly turns into a conversation about church. It really isn't about church, and church plays a role in it, but it's about the power of Jesus. About 20 years ago, 16-year-old kid in Nairobi, Kenya, about 20 years ago in June, has grown up in a Christian family. I can recite the Bible for you. 
Well, you, I went to Bible schools, Bible clubs and everything growing up, even though my parents weren't that committed. So the things about the scripture were not new. It, there was nothing new about Jesus dying and resurrecting, about the Holy Spirit, about all those things that I had all my life. But there was something that was missing, and it was the power of God in my life that brought revelation knowledge where these words that I've heard and understood all my life become powerful. They had on a new meaning in my life. And now it's like I read John 3.16 and there is a huge understanding that I could have actually got John 3.16 in three languages. But now there's something different. The gospel has penetrated into my heart. And it's taken those words of knowledge, those things that I understood from my early age, and it brings this dynamic power into my life. And transformation begins to happen right there. That is the message of reconciliation. I think sometimes with the enemy, not I think, I know this to be true, that the enemy wants us to be so distracted by all the concerns of life, you know, I gotta pay my bills, I gotta do this, I gotta look like my neighbor does, I gotta get the right, nice ride, and all that stuff, and, and, and all these material things, and there's nothing wrong with it, and even God will bless you with material things, but what happens is that they occupy, it becomes a purpose why we live. We'll not say that, nobody will admit that. But they occupy our mental space. We are not concerned so much to, to, to saving lives. And when we activate the gospel and we activate, become active in participating in the purpose that the law says be of one mind, be of one heart, be united in your purpose. Let there be no divisions concerning these things. Um, uh, And when we focus on that purpose, all these things that we need, all these things that we desire, all these things that we want to see in our lives, God provides God provides. He knows exactly what you need. He says, don't get all distracted. You work hard. Do I have a good work ethic? Do what you need to do. But what you cannot do for yourself, God can do for you. He says, if we unite in purpose, and the purpose is a great commission, which releases the power of God and brings salvation. When people are reconciled, To God, it becomes a lot easier to reconcile with each other. We try to reconcile with each other without the Lord. We will fail. We might act right, but the heart is in change. Oh, yeah, we've seen it all on TV unfold. Someone sleeps in just a perfect moment, and they say the thing that was in their heart. And they'll get the best PR person to write the best speech that will move us all and touch our hearts. And uh, that was beautiful. This is epic. They were really sincere. But you know, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I might train myself to say the right things, to act the right way, and to not say anything that would wind me up in trouble, but yet my heart can still be evil. And the gospel is what changes that. 
because the gospel doesn't center so much on the external works, but rather the internal. And so when the insides are changed, I act differently because of the difference that's in me and not the other way around. You grow in Christ. You grow in power when you are focused on what matters the most to God. And that is to see souls saved. Because that for that purpose, Christ came. So Lincoln City Church, we do have a purpose. We do have a goal. And I thought I'd revisit this with you. From the very beginning, a Pastor Jerry, our founding pastor, who would be here next week and speak to us. It's going to be awesome. Um, uh, when the, 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 the purpose, go back to the slide there. It says our purpose, this is our purpose. If you don't know that, let, let's just look at it. It says our purpose is to build a New Testament local church and to proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ. The good news is the gospel. To young and old, rich and poor, red and yellow, black and white, and extending the kingdom of God by reaching people, building families, equipping leaders, fast in our city, then to the ends of the earth. You see, writing in our purpose, because we define that from the beginning, that our purpose is going to be all-encompassing. Because the gospel is for all people. That's how we express it. And if you look at it closely, it actually mirrors the Great Commission. It's about going to the whole world, reaching all people. And our city has many representations. And that our purpose will include that. And when the Lord says that if the church is intent on that, not just when things happen that are dividing people, that we try to kind of do what the businesses do. And they say, well, we got to get more diversity here. And then we get the black guy to give the speech. (laughs) Now that's the world, people. The church should not be that way. We should be the light of the world. The, church, the world should look at us and emulate what's going on in here. And says, man, they've got something going on there that I don't see anywhere else. What's your secret? And we will not come with these 10 steps of doing this. That's the opportunity you come, and the secret is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about Jesus. And so when we take God's word of the gospel, every opportunity to inject, to declare, to proclaim, to impart the words of the gospel, it changes people everywhere we go. The Bible says that they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. It is a testimony to, to the world that's looking for answers. And I don't even get angry at them. I don't get upset with them. And I, when I see all the big divides, because they are the world, they are trying their best to do what they think will solve it. i got news for you. They will never get there. They might make some good steps, but they'll never get there. Because if you critically look through history, you would find every time there's been a positive change in attitude, 
that behind the force was always the church. They don't always get the media recognition, but they make the, the impact on the, gra- on the grassroots. It's believers that are sold out on Jesus that bring impact and change. When abolition of slavery happened in England, it was when, what's his name? I can't think of his name now. As a member of parliament in Britain, when he got saved, he got a different mission. And he would confront all these people that said they were Christians. And that changed, and he set the case for the rest of the world to, to pardon after. We see throughout history, even the Civil War, people that were driven by faith, like Abraham Lincoln. It is always, you don't always get the credit, but it's the church that actually administers true change. When the church misses the mark, then we got problems. But when the church rises up, and we don't have to use the same uh, devices that the, enemy, uh, that the world uses, because we have the hope. We have what the world needs. We have the answer. And sometimes we are not convinced of it ourselves, and that's why we don't preach the gospel. We doubt. We doubt. We doubt how impactful. We are reminded that the gospel is actually the power of God that brings difference, brings a difference in people's lives. Every area of your life, allow the gospel to penetrate and to touch, but not just for yourself. Take the next step. If you believe it, if you believe it, won't you go around and tell everyone you know about Jesus? How about we get radical? We get radical. And we begin to tell everyone we know. I was thinking about different religions. When you get radical, bad things happen. But when Christians get radical, amazing, isn't it? You read the words of the gospel and when Jesus, what Jesus says we should do. And then you get radical about it. That's, it just puts it in plain sight how different we are from everybody else. There's this move of saying, well, we are all the same. You know, it's the same God. It's the same what? No, we are not. You look at Jesus and every religious leader in the past. If people would take their radical shift and take the extreme of what their religion teaches... It puts it into contrast. And you realize that what we have is exactly what the world needs. Let's believe our message. Let's be convinced of it ourselves. Let's go and tell everyone about it. And healing will come. Part of it, and and we talked about that definition last week is that we need to come back and begin to pray like no other time. We know that there, is, there are no shortcuts, folks. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, no other way. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways, I will hear. 
from heaven. I will, I will forgive them their sins. I will heal their land. There is no other way, folks. No other way. We've got to get back to it. Not that we left too far. We need to increase the intensity and begin to pray for revival. Because the radical will bring revival. And you know, revival is really interesting because we read about previous revivals and you see all these amazing things that happen. Take, for instance, uh, the, the, the Azusa Street revival that happened in the, at the turn of the 20th century. People were getting saved by the dozen. Started all in California, moved across the whole country. And you know what was very unique about that time? Well, it was during the Jim Crow laws, some of the worst times racially. We think this is something, this is nothing compared to, you know, what was back then. But do you know that in the spirit-filled churches, men of all backgrounds, socioeconomic classes, people of all colors, everybody, they were meeting and worshiping God together. That's the movements like Church of God came from that revival. And there was no color in the church during the Jim Crow laws. It wasn't until people, some pastors, started their different organizations later that they went to Church of God and Assembly of God. And that divided the church. And then you had the Church of God that was black and Assembly of God that was white. People intercepted. The church failed at that time. But before that, it was amazing. You read about the Azusa Revival. It was amazing during that time of history. Because where the Spirit of the Lord moves, when the gospel penetrates, I tell you, change begins to happen. And we need to kind of pray for revival, that God will revive us again. And I think it's an opportunity for the church to start to pray like no other time. I'm excited. I'm, I, really, I'm excited. I think there's a, the Lord is wanting us to rise. I'm excited because I believe that people will get saved. People will get the, the God. I, I, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what God will do. But I tell you, we can just sit around. You see, every revival, every revival you read started with prayer. Churches just got getting hungry. Churches just started getting hungry. Hungry at prayer. But because they believed that when they pray, there is impact in our prayer. That our prayer does something. It's not just mere words. It does something. Because the Bible says that we have, it's a battle we are fighting. And it's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of this dark age. And so we're told to be strong in the Lord. And recognize that we have those things coming up against us. And there is no other way apart from the power of God being released in the people. It happens in prayer. And when we begin to speak the words of the gospel, we take our faith and the power of God. And I tell you, good things happen. And I promise you, my friends, it will affect every area of your life, your health, your finances. Things happen. The windows of heaven are open. You know, God's grace is absolutely amazing. Because God can accomplish way more in a moment 
than we could ever try with our committees and our planning and our creativity. I want to propose something to you. If you're in with me, I'm going to have you to stand. I want us to take a challenge as a church. Four things, because we could put this into, into action. Four things. Let's do it for a month. One, let's pray every day for a month for revival in our church. See, I cannot affect what the pastor down the street does. The pastor down the street, I cannot do that. But the Lord can unite our spirits. But what we can do is just say, okay, we're going to pray for revival within our church. You know what that means? It has to begin in us. Yeah. Yeah. How many would say, okay, pastor, I'm with you on that. For 30 days, 30 days, for, for a month, I'm going to pray for revival every day to come into our church. Second thing, I want us to pray, take, take, take our prayer and put an action. Make an effort for a month to bring someone to church with you. Just four months. You know, I'm going to think. I'm going to be of one mind. I'm going to be focused. I'm going to do something here. I'm going to be so intentional about this. I'm going to look for opportunities. Whether it's my family members that I'm going to bug, <laughs> and they say, I'll buy you coffee if you come with me, I'll do. Whatever it is, just let's, let's do that for a month. Here's what I've found in, with salvation. And, and when, 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 here's why I'm so convinced about us being active in, 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 in evangelizing and being intentional about bringing the gospel. What I've found in my life, and it traces through my walk with, throughout my walk with Christ, is that when I see someone saved that I know, that I help bring to Christ, that when I see the changes in their lives, when they meet Jesus, it does something in me. Because sometimes you've been saved for so long, you're kind of familiar with this thing, but when you see your family member, your friend, your co-worker, that cast about every statement that uh, came out of their mouth, and all of a sudden you see God happening in their lives. It, it, it affects me and it, it, it turns on my faith because I'm excited at seeing what God is doing in their lives. And it encourages my, 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 my spirit life as well. That's why I think always as a believer, never go into a long, long periods of time without witnessing or discipling someone. I love one-on-one discipleship. I meet with people all the time that I do one-on-one discipleship. Because why? I do not want to forget the first love. The church will say, do not forget the first love. Keep that fire burning. Remember the experience that it had on your life. Don't get yourself get stale. And the way you keep it fresh is being absolutely active when it comes to evangelize. Invite people that you know. Invite people you don't know. Look for opportunities and tell you when you do, God will honor it. God will honor it. Don't let it be just back of them and just be intentional. How many are with me? Say, Pastor, let's do it. We're going to do that for a month. The other part is like, I want you to tithe faithfully for a month. Every dollar. You mean like get religious about it. 20 bucks, I'm going to tithe fast. Let me put God first in my finances. 
I know sometimes people go up and down. Some are steady, and they know that. But, and pray over your tithe. Tithe every, every, like, how many say, okay, no matter what, no, I'm with you, pastor, on that. Because there's sometimes there are things that we are unable to do, where we have plans that we want to carry out. It's like, oh, shoot, we don't have, we'll wait, maybe next time. But if we all do that, and we'll, we'll see what happens. And the fourth thing just disappeared from my mind. Because I'm going, I'm going off of my heart. This is not notes, people. This is not notes. I'm just following the spirit here. <laughs> At least we're going to bring somebody with us. We're going to pray every single day for revival. We're tied faithfully. I wasn't reading the Bible, you know. It's now you've got to have to, 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 to watch the email call. I'll send it to you. Isn't that funny? I know what the Lord put in my heart. But my mind is failing. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But so anyway, I don't know. Maybe the Lord doesn't want us to do the fourth thing. The, people, I am not, I'm not going off of notes here. Because that's uniting. Let's do that in unity. And let's see what God will do among us. Amen. Let's see what God will do among us. you're with me, I want you to stand. Don't stand if you're not, for just for a moment, because I'm going Don't stand if you're not, and no pressure. I wouldn't look at you differently if you don't. I am, the reason I want to do this, because I want to exercise what the Bible says, unity, because I know we have the answer for Lincoln. You look around in this, you look around in this building and see people of all walks of life. Nobody's been co-hosted to like, well, Anna, you're going to have to love Charles from now on. You're going to start treating Charles the same way you treat yourself. Nobody does that. What is the difference, I ask you? The gospel. The gospel. The gospel. It is the hope of our world. I can't keep my eyes dry because I know when the gospel impacted my life as a young person, it changed and transformed me. I know what it did for me. I know who I would have been if it wasn't for the gospel. Because I have proof of all the kids I grew up with that didn't know the Lord. I have proof of all my friends that didn't know the Lord. And I also have another proof of my friends that did serve the Lord at that young age. Some of the families we came from, some of the histories we came from, and seeing this beautiful power of God that transforms an individual. It is the hope of the world. I think about it all the time. I think, why can everybody know about this? Don't be satisfied with religion. Allow the power of God to transform you. I want just for the next 30 days as a church, the next month as a church, what's today? The 17th? Okay, we'll come around and let's see what God does if we're united in purpose. 
Now, I ask you to stand because I want us to pray in unity. I want you to pray in unity because there is power when we walk in unity. God commands a blessing. And as we pray in unity, I'm also believing for your life, for your life and the things that you need because God knows. I believe there is power. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power. There is power. When we, when we proclaim this gospel, there is power. Wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, boy. It's like the Lord just he drops that. Yeah? There is power. Wonder working power. Lord Jesus, we thank you. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit. Begin to pray in tongues right now. Begin to pray. Oh, activate the power inside of you right now. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Holy. We magnify you, Lord. Come on, church. Oh, come on. Be like Abraham. Begin to get pressed deeper. Press deeper. Don't pray on the surface. Just go on. Oh, the blood of Jesus is covering you. You could get, you could get audacious. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, holy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the expression of the body of Christ here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for this local expression at 5001 South 1st Street. We thank you for this day, July 17th, the year of our Lord. We thank you, God, that we stand here in unity as the body of Christ. We are not a mistake. It is not by accident that we are here today. It is not by accident that we live in Lincoln today. That you planted us here, Lord. Not just for our lives. Not just for our sake, oh God. That we may impact this city with the power of the gospel. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will impart in our hearts today. The power that's afforded us by the blood of Jesus. That you will impart in us a power that comes through the Holy Spirit of which you said that you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses for me in Judea, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you will infuse in us as power and the boldness, O God, even that we see resemble in the life of Abraham who became bolder and bolder as he got deeper in you, O God, yet maintaining reverence and fear for who you are. I pray in the name of Jesus right now. We are tired of religion. We are tired of tradition. We are tired, oh God, of mere words and intellect. We want to see the power of God demonstrated in the church. Touch us, Lord. Touch us, Lord. I feel even as we are standing in his presence right now, the Lord just put in my heart that he wants to heal people. 
Because part of the gospel is healing. That Jesus Christ went about doing good and healing all those who are sick. And right now, I feel the power of God in this place that wants to bring healing to the physical body. You need healing just right now. Put your hand, just a place, aim where the body is that you need a touch from God. For the power of God is being released right now to bring healing. Father, in Jesus' name, you sent your word and healed our disease. You sent your word and healed our disease, O God. You are the Lord that healeth us, O God. You were bruised for our iniquities, wounded for our transgression, O God. The chastisement of our peace was upon you, and by your stripes we are healed. And right now I speak the spirit of healing to touch the, 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 the aching bodies, O God, the sick bodies, O God. You said that the power of the gospel will penetrate even our physical health and bring health to the body. I speak healing to your body right now. In the name of Jesus, I release the power of God to touch you right there. It might be declared incurable. They might have not found even a, a cure for what you have. But the master healer is in the house today. In the name of Jesus. I command the spirit of sickness and infirmity in the, to be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. That every knee will bow, every tongue will confess in the name of Jesus. That even sickness and disease will bow today under the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We declare healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I want the worship team to come. The Lord is healing. And we release the power of God when we get active in the gospel. Let's tell you just one thing as they're getting ready. We're going to worship the king. And miracles will continue to happen as we worship him. You see, in the Bible, Jesus did a lot of miracles. And the Bible says that he went about doing good and healing. And if you read through the gospel, you don't find many miracles that he did in the synagogue, which would be what in the New Testament would be the church. Many miracles happened outside. The people, the people that were out in the world were encountered healing from Jesus. And the same things he says will happen to us. And this is a I want you to hear this because this is the truth. I've done a study on this and I, I, it blew my mind to see this. And it's a truth that we need to know. That the gospel, like I said earlier, releases the power of God. It really speaks of the anointing of God. See, the scripture says that if you have faith as little as a mustard seed, that you can speak to the mountain and tell them, be thou removed, be cast into the middle of the sea. That doesn't take mighty faith to do that. It takes the anointing of the Lord, the power of God, for that to happen. The anointing is released, the power of God is released and activated by our faith in the gospel. So I'm telling you today that your hands can lay hands on the sick and pray. It doesn't depend on great faith. It takes obedience and faith in the anointing of God. And that's released in the gospel. 
And you see throughout the early history of the church, the book of Acts account, you see many mighty miracles took place through the hands of the apostles because they were out witnessing. They were driven by one thing and one thing only, to save the world, to bring salvation, to preach the gospel to people. And God releases his power in the gospel and healing happened. In the church, you know what it takes? That's when we need great faith. That's when he needs great faith. Because then it takes agreement. Because then there it takes, it's not the anointing, it's faith. Amen. Mark and I are holding hands and praying in faith. Amen. Okay? If he is praying and he's all sold out and he believes that God would do it and uh, would do what he's going to do. And in my heart I'm thinking, man, Mark, that's audacious, brother. You know, man, that's assuming, brother. You know? And I don't say that to him, but in my heart... I'm not believing. I have doubt. Then we don't see it happening because we did not agree in faith. So that's the way when you agree concerning anything, it shall be done. The thing you bind on earth should be bound in heaven, the thing you lose on earth. So our faith has to be in agreement. But you know what builds our faith? Is when you've seen God do it. First time I ever saw a miracle happen in my prayer was not in the church, but it turned on my faith because you pray for somebody. You're a kid. I'm talking 17-year-old kid, and you pray for somebody, and they get touched and they get healed. And in a little bit, it freaks you out that what you prayed actually happened. But in another sense, it builds your faith. And so when you come with the brother, you say, I saw what God did. And so when you come to the church, you already have faith that I saw what God did. And I know it's real. And so I pray differently because I know God actually answers prayer and literally answers prayers. So the atmosphere of faith in the church is higher because we are active with the gospel. It's a gospel that releases the power of God. And that is the mission field that we're going to go out for in the next few minutes when we leave. We enter into a new mission field. And that's where the gospel is activated. Most of you are saved here. 